For sure you've heard the story. The story about the, the man that was sitting at the table, the kitchen table, as he was watching his wife prepare a ham. And he noticed that as she was preparing that ham, she cut an inch off of both sides of the ham before she put it in the pan. And, she, and, and the husband was watching this the whole time, and he said, Honey, uh, that seems like an awful waste uh, for you to be cutting an inch off of each side of the ham before you put it in the pan. Why do you do that? And, and she looked at him and she said, you know, the, the truth is, I really don't know. My mom taught me how to cook, and, and she always did that. So, uh, so that's what I do. She said, but I'll tell you what. I'm going to call mom right now and see uh, why she cut an inch off each side of the ham. And so she picked up the phone and she called her mom. And she said, mom, you know, when we were cooking hams, you always cut an inch off of each side of the ham before you put it in the pan. Why did you do that? And the mom said, well, darling, I really don't know. Uh, my mom always did that. And, and she said, you know, mom's been dead for a while, but, but, but dad's still around. Let me call dad and, and let me see if he knows why mama used to cut an inch off each side of the ham. And so she called, uh, she called her dad and she said, she said dad, she said, um, why did mama cut an inch off of each side of the ham? And, uh, and he said, oh, that was so it would fit in the pan. You know, and a lot of times in Christianity and in church, uh, we get like that, don't we? We know what's supposed to be done. We know how to do it. We have practiced it time and time again. But really, somewhere down along the line, we've forgotten the why. Baptism is what we're talking about this morning. And, and baptism can be this way too. It's what's been done. It's been done this way all the time. But do we really know why? The title of the sermon today is Shaped by Baptism, and I pray that as we dig into the passage that we'll see some of the meaning for, of baptism and how it can be a part of how God transforms our lives. So why be baptized? That's the question, right? Why be baptized? Jesus commanded the disciples to baptize in Matthew 28, 19 through 20. It reads like this, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. So logic states that if Jesus told the apostles to baptize everyone, then we all should be baptized. Peter says in Acts 2.38, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So Peter said we should be baptized. And of course, we are familiar, especially this time of year, with the cry of the one that was uh, standing in the wilderness, uh, John the Baptist, says in Mark 1. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. So we have strong evidence for the need of baptism for the believer, for repentance, for forgiveness of sin. But in this passage, there seems to be a, a whole nother why. You know, Jesus comes to John for baptism. Why? Surely that's what John was saying when he said, I need to be baptized by you. And yet you come to me? Let's do some review. John's been out in the desert and he's been saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Well, I wanted to know what exactly that meant. So I went to the Amplified Version and, and I want to read uh, that passage to you in the Amplified. It says, repent, change your mind, 
your old way of thinking, regret past sins, uh, live your life according to a way that proves repentance, seek God's purpose in your life, for the kingdom of heaven is a hand. In other words, it's saying, realign yourself with God. But we know some things about Jesus, don't we? Things that John the Baptist also knew. You remember when John the Baptist saw Jesus coming, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, right? In John 1.26, John said of, of Jesus, I baptize with water, but among you stands one you do, who you do not know, and he is one who comes after me, and the straps of whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie. He was speaking about Jesus. And in Hebrews 4.15, Jesus is described like this. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who in every respect, who has been tested as we are, and yet without sin. So Jesus is without sin. So why would Jesus need to be baptized? And what does that tell us about baptism? He was without sin and he didn't need to repent or change his mind about the way he did life. Well, let's go on to the, back to the passage. John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered, let it be so now, for it is proper for us in this way to fulfill all, unrighteous, all righteousness. So that was, that was Jesus' reply. John was going, hey, listen, I don't need to be baptized, uh, baptizing you. You need to be baptizing me. And Jesus says, let it be so now, for it is proper for us in this way to fulfill all righteousness. Well, that clears it up, doesn't it? <laughs> Does it for you? <laughs> Me either. I was sitting there going, you know, I want it spelled out. I want it explain, explained scientifically why Jesus needed to be baptized. I want it logically. I want it theologically. I want it to go jot by jot and tittle by tittle. But it seems to boil down to one thing. And that is Jesus says so. And I don't like that answer. I don't. But I really do think that this is the key in which uh, baptism shapes us. You see, listen, John was a prophet. He was a prophet sent from God, and he was standing out in the desert, and he was saying, align yourself with God, and the way you're going to show it is by getting wet. Well, that takes it out of a religious context, doesn't it? But that's exactly what he's saying. And God could have used a hundred things, a million different things uh, to say, um, this is the way you can symbolize that you align with me. He could have said, come out here and say you align with me and hop on one foot. But that's not what he said. He said that he wanted us to be baptized. I want you to tell me that you agree with me this way. It's agreeing and it's submitting to God said so. So how does this answer the question of why Jesus was baptized and how baptism shapes us, shapes us? Well, baptism comes down to alignment. Have you ever had tires on your car that were out of alignment? Have you? At the best, those tires will pull you off course. At the worst, they will beat you senseless. I mean, if you've ever been in a car that has the, the front end out of alignment, it's like you're trying to get there, and it is not a smooth ride at all. But when you finally get those tires in alignment, then all of a sudden the rough ride smooths out. In baptism, we make a statement. And that statement is that we're in alignment, that we follow God. So let's look at the rest of the passage. 
And when Jesus had been baptized, just as he came up from the water, suddenly the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him, and a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, the beloved with whom I'm well pleased. And I want you to hear this. Jesus didn't have to change alignment. He was merely publicly announcing it. And I want you to look at the response. Jesus said, I'm in line with God. And God says, I'm in line with Jesus. And the Holy Spirit says, I'm in line also. And all of a sudden, we have what we call an epiphany. We're in the season of epiphany. Epiphany is a, is a place where, where we have an aha moment, uh, where things all of a sudden make sense. And so in this moment, when Jesus comes up out of the water, he has said that I align, I'm aligned with God. And God says, I'm aligned with you. And the Holy Spirit says, I'm aligned too. And we see that Jesus was saying, I do nothing apart from the Father. I and the Father are one. We are not one only in purpose, purpose but we are one in, perp- in person. The baptism of Jesus was to proclaim to the world that he, the Father, and the Holy Spirit were not only one in person, but they were one in purpose. That explains Jesus' baptism, doesn't it? It was his publicly saying, I'm aligned with God. God and I are one. But what about our baptism? Well, our baptism has to do with submission. In 1 Corinthians 12, 13, it reads like this. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews, Greeks, slaves, freed, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. God calls us into alignment with him. And it doesn't matter what your sin is. It doesn't matter what your stature is and your place in the community. It doesn't matter whether you're a doctor or whether you're a ditch digger. It doesn't matter whether you're red, black, orange, white. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter your political background. It doesn't matter whether you're a Democrat or Republican or somewhere in the middle. It doesn't matter. He calls us into alignment with one spirit. Alignment also has to do with obedience. If you don't believe me, in Matthew 28, 19, it says, Jesus is talking to the disciples. He said, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. So when we start talking about baptism, especially baptism for us today, we're talking about being baptized into Christ. And we we talk about it in terms of being baptized into Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. When we're talking about being obedient, when we're talking about being aligned with, with, with God's spirit, what we're talking about here is being baptized into the death of Christ. Because, see, Jesus didn't just die one day. You know that, right? Jesus died every day for 33 years. He died to himself just so he would be eligible to die the one day for yours and my sin. And and when we get baptized, we are baptized into his death. We are baptized into that. We are called. We are called to die to ourselves. When we're baptized, we're saying that we'll follow Jesus and this baptism. Now, this has to do with our willingness, but we're not only baptized into Christ's death, praise God, but we're also baptized into his burial and resurrection. We're also baptized into payment for sin and the ability to walk in newness of life. We're baptized into Jesus' burial. And a lot of times when preachers preach, they just talk about death, burial, and resurrection, and kind of burial kind of gets sandwiched there in the middle, and it doesn't really get much airtime. But I want you to hear this. At the time that Jesus died, 
At the moment Jesus died, he was buried and the legal requirements of death for sin was met in him. The perfect one had died for you and had died for me. And because of that, the sentence has been carried out. Through faith, we come into alignment with what it says in Romans 6, 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. But it doesn't stop there. We're not only baptized into Jesus' death, we're not only baptized into his burial, but we're also baptized into his resurrection. In Romans 6, 3 through 4, it says, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him by baptism into death, so that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. This is what Methodists talk about being sanctified, being in a process of sanctification. We are also baptized in the raising of the dead so that we can walk in newness of life. So I want you to hear this. Baptism really has kind of two parts. The submission, the willingness, and faith, that's our part. But the raising from the dead is God's. And as we live seeking Him and submitting to Him, He raises us up and enables us to walk in newness of life. Do you see that? So this year, I want to ask you, it's, it's the new year. How's your alignment? I mean, what are you aligned to? Is your car running a little bit rough? Are there some things pulling you off? I want to say this morning, maybe we could take a moment and we could remember our baptism. Our statement that we align ourselves with God and His say-so. Maybe we remember our God's part. That as we're willing to submit that He forgives us and raises us from the dead... And walks with us daily to, to give us the ability to walk in newness of life. In the symbol of baptism, God shows us just how perfectly he's loved us. He conquers all agendas. He frees us from all oppression. And he gives us life anew. And as he does this, we become the beautiful body of Christ. In alignment with Jesus, which also makes us in alignment with each other. Now, many of us here have been baptized. Either we or our parents have heard God's call to alignment sometime in the past, and, and we've experienced baptism. But just like our tires over years and miles, sometimes we get out of alignment. You know, our hearts can get out of alignment, too. This morning, we want to give you an opportunity to remember your baptism. Whether it's need, the need to remember your part in the baptism or whether it's your need to remember God's part in the baptism or maybe it's the need to remember both. Now, I, I do want to say this. this. This morning is not baptism itself. If you're here this morning and you've never been baptized but you feel God tugging on your heart this morning to align with him, then I want you to tell me that after the service or let Bill know after the service and we will definitely do something special uh, for just that. This is for those of us who have been baptized before and, and say, hey, listen, I need to remember that I want to align with God, what God says 
about me or what God says I should do. I want to align with the fact that he has forgiven me or I want to align with the fact that he will walk with me from here on out to provide me newness of life, that I have victory. When we come for communion, there'll be a couple of people on each side of the, the rail and they'll be holding these, these um, shells of water. If, if God's tugging on your heart to, to reaffirm your, your baptism, then we ask that you just, uh, as you come out of communion, if you'll just pass by the shells and touch it to your head as, as a way, there's nothing magical in the water. It's just a way of, of, of saying, a very tangible way of saying, I want to realign myself with you again, God, and what you've done for me. When nothing else existed but chaos, God, you swept across the dark waters and you brought forth light. In the days of Noah, you saved those on the ark through water. After the flood, you set in the clouds a rainbow. When you saw your people as slaves in Egypt, you led them to freedom through the sea. Their children you brought through the Jordan to the land that you promised. In the fullness of time, you sent Jesus and nurtured the water of a womb. He was baptized by John and anointed by your spirit. And he called his disciples to share the baptism of his death resurrection and to make disciples of all nations. Pour out your Holy Spirit and by this gift of water called our remembrance the grace declared to us in our baptism. For you, you have washed away our sins and you clothed us with righteousness through our lives that dying and rising with Christ we may share in his final victory. All praise to you eternal Father through your Son Jesus Christ who with you and the Holy Spirit lives and reigns forever. Amen.